Hello and welcome into another episode of Two Cents Sports Talk. I'm your host, Adam Kutulak, joined by my co-host, Brian Crum. Hey, Adam. How's it going, man? It's going well. How are you? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing huh? well. It's we, we took a little extra time off there, but I think... I think it was uh, to respect the greatness. Yeah, and also celebrate, you know, us being right on a lot of the uh, things that happened in the Super Bowl, but oh, now that you're okay. not there. You can't get too big of a head now, Adam. <laughs> I'm just messing, no, but um, if you did listen to the last podcast, we were pretty spot on with uh, the Tampa Bay defense uh, being a big impact, you know, with the pass rush and um, getting to Mahomes. And the tackles being out. Yep, and the tackles being out, so that was... They they would not stop talking about and that. And taking Tyree Kill out. I mean, we really were on top of, you know, the defense versus the offense matchup with the tackles. Um, yeah. Yeah, so so a lot of people are talking about now, to, to Adam's point. Yeah, so... I told was... him not to get too big of a head, but <laughs> a lot of people are analyzing the game right now, and they're kind of pointing out what me and Adam pointed out Yep. So, but, with, with, but let's not dwell on that. We're yep. we're just messing around. Yep. It feels good to be right sometimes, mm-hmm. but um, we're we are also wrong a lot of times. Oh yeah, so. we are. We just won't let you know when we are. But um, yeah. And with that, we're gonna let Ryan start us off and just give us his initial thoughts with uh, what he thought, you know, what he saw from the Super Bowl, what he enjoyed, what he's looking for going forward, everything along those lines. So let's hear, it, Brian. Yeah. So okay. Uh, I I have not been watching like a lot of ESPN or anything lately um so I don't I don't know what people are saying going on with this game because I'm you know I'm not really present on social media or anything but I think the storyline is the old versus young and we I think we probably talked about that before in the preview but that also shows up it's not just in the preview it's in it's in the box score too because we've got Tom Brady the obvious one we've got Tom Brady who's 43 against Patrick Mahomes 25 Tom Brady outplays Tom Brady he uh, let's see Patrick Mahomes goes 26 for 49 53% uh, percent completion rate Tom Brady 21 for 29 72% check mark there uh, Patrick Mahomes more yards 270 um, Brady 201 but Brady, three TDs, zero INTs, and only one sack for six-yard loss. More efficient. And then more efficient. It's all about old versus young, experience being more efficient. <clears throat> Mahomes, despite being, having more passing yards, 270, he did it with a less efficient completion percentage, 53%, and zero TDs. So, uh, and that's also with two INTs three sacks for 27 yard loss and so, 20 more attempts than Brady he threw yes. 20 more times as well correct correct okay but continuing that trend this because this trend doesn't end the whole game yeah you've got Gronk okay Gronk he's not that much older than Kelsey I actually looked it up because I was like these guys look a lot like they're both this big number 87 tight end Gronk is 31 Kelsey's 31. Gronk was born in May, Kelsey October, so still older. But let's be honest, Gronk created his name before Kelsey. So yeah. it's it really is kind of, it might not be olden age, but it's just the older, uh, more experienced player at this high of level. Mm-hmm. So Gronk, you know, same thing. Kelsey had more catches, um, but it was on more passes. So Gronk was six for seven, 86%. 
completion um, percentage, and then Kelsey was 10 of 15. So that's a 67% completion percentage there. So uh, more efficient for Gronk. Kelsey, more yards, just like Mahomes, 133. Gronk, 67, and two touchdowns, though. Kelsey, zero touchdowns. Last, okay, two more. Got to yeah. keep going. Yeah. Antonio Brown and Tyreek Hill. Antonio Brown, 32. We thought that he was washed up. He was done just like we thought Gronk was done because Gronk was retired. But similar to Gronk, Antonio Brown joined up with his uh, his fellow buddy, Tom Brady, the other old guy. And Antonio Brown at the age of 32 uh, caught five of six passes, 83 percentage. One TD, Tyreek Hill, 7 of 10, 70 percent completion rate, and zero TDs. Now he'll still beat him in the yardage. And then the last one for Nett, uh, he was less efficient than Clyde Edwards Hilaire for Nett. Not that old, but he's 26, so that's kind of old for a running back. Mm-hmm. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, 21, so that's that is young that's for the NFL. Um, and for Nett, he had 89 yards and a touchdown. And Edwards Hilaire had 64 yards, zero touchdowns, and nine nine rushing touches. So, I mean, he was more efficient, but just less of an impact yeah so so that's my big long tangent on this was a fun game to watch because we were watching greatness on both sides but it was almost like you just have this older uh more wise more experienced team because i mean think about it gronk is like the older more mature version of kelsey antonio brown is the older more mature version of tyreek hill Leonard Fournette, nah, not really with Clyde Edwards Square. Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, not really. Maybe the arm, not the legs. That's the thing that's special about Patrick Mahomes, and that's why we thought this one was still a game whenever it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead, Adam. Yeah, so I'm gonna build right off of what you said, and you led it right into my point that I really wanted to make. You know the uh, four players you mentioned, Tom Brady, Leonard Fournette, Rob Gronkowski, and Antonio Brown, were not there last year, and Tom Brady, you know, once he got there, he brought those guys in. He brought Gronk and he brought Fournette and he brought Brown in, you know. Uh, Bruce Arians didn't want Antonio Brown early on. Gronk came out of retirement. He's not coming out of retirement just for anyone. He came out of retirement for Brady. And then Fournette, why would he go to the, you know, the Buccaneers out of any other team after getting cut by the Jaguars? He could have gone almost anywhere. You know, he wanted to go to a contender. With Brady there rather than Winston, who went 9-7 and seven last year, um, he thought there was a more sh- uh, shot there. So all three players, role players you talked about, joined from joined mainly due to Tom Brady and they all scored touchdowns that's where all the touchdowns came from yeah. were Antonio Brown two from Gronk and one from uh Leonard Fournette so it's just the Tom Brady effect in, in general too you know and obviously go ahead no 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 just cut in real quick though I I didn't realize that those were all the touchdowns which makes sense because yeah. it was a boatload yeah but uh on the flip side the Chiefs only scored nine points in they score a touchdown because nope. I thought it was Three all field goals. Field goals. <laughs> I mean, it was two weeks ago, but yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. So that's the other crazy thing is that that defense held that offense to zero touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, that was an electric offense, and I think that's where you were going at least. I might have cut you off before you got to that, but I know that uh, you were focused on how big of an impact the defense had in this game and on that line. Just to finish up, I mean, the, just you see the impact of Tom Brady and his greatness. It's not just oh, yes. that it's not just that you you know 
he, he's gonna win everywhere, you know. But he he makes people believe, you know. Team people come with him. They want to play with him. They want to have the shot. They believe in him, you know. You, and, um, Gronk's not coming back if he doesn't believe in him. Fournette's not coming. It's just a huge impact there. You know, the offensive line plays better. He reads the defense better. He gets rid of the ball quicker. He just all around makes everything around him better, you know. And people want to play harder, work harder around them. And you saw that with Tampa Bay because they're they're um out of the four major sports in uh in North America. They had the worst winning percentage out of all of them. Out of all of them, the Buccaneers did. So it's just crazy to think. Wait, that, wait, wait, wait. Explain that stuff. Historically. So, like, since I think their inception, they've had the worst, like, winning percentage um, as a franchise. Just in franchise the sport, history. Yeah, in, yeah, out of the four um, major sports in North America. Really? Yeah. The Bucs? Yeah. They won it in, I think, 2000, but historically it's not very good. Wow, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, no, 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 I agree with that point because you're right. Uh, I mean, obviously we saw the impact Brady had on the game, uh, but you're right. The people who helped Brady make the impact were also there because of Brady, like you're saying. So essentially the four touchdowns that were that were put on the board in Tampa Bay during the Super Bowl were by players that were not there a year ago and would not be there if it weren't for Brady. Yes. So that's what makes this Super Bowl so incredible is that it is Tom Brady at the age of 43 deciding to just, you know, pack up the bags and head out of uh, New England because he's tired, he's bored. He thinks he can do it without Bill. They probably have a bet. I don't know. And he wins it in the first year. Like, and it's in, in Tampa. a pandemic. And, and, the, and that's where I was trying to say this. And it's against a legendary Kansas City Chiefs offense that that will that will be here. That is here to last. Yeah. That's the thing. The Bucks aren't here to last. The Chiefs are. And that's why it almost, that's why I wanted to see Tampa Bay win. And that's why after talking through it with you last time, you know, it wasn't, when me and Adam say we got the pick right, I mean, I jumped on chip late because we talked through it and we saw the things adding up that, that actually ended up making the game be what it is. Yeah. Because I, I originally picked Kansas City and Adam and me kind of walked through, well, shoot both their tackles are out you know they've tampa bay's got a big defensive line good pass uh, rush they could get pass rush on there and if you focus on knocking taking tyreek hill out mm-hmm. and uh bumping kelsey on the line and, yep. and you send so much pressure that you force them to to either put kelsey or move other tight ends in on the line and mm-hmm. you know makes them winded but uh yeah, it's just incredible that Brady can do this at the age of 43 in the first year. Yeah. And again, such an incredible team. And I'm so surprised that he's not walking off because I said that it would be a storybook ending. Yeah. But I now understand it because he's such a competitor that he's saying, hey, I don't care about fairy tale stories. I just love the game. And I, I'm going to make you take it from me, Patrick. Like, that's what he's saying. Like, he's, we know that Patrick, I think he, we want to see that torch be passed. Yeah. And since he won this, 
he's not willing to just walk out and act like, oh yeah, I'm not the greatest, and now Patrick's the greatest. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and he wants it to be earned. That's the thing. Like, he, you know, he wants it to be right. earned. I, I, at least we want it to be, it to be earned. Because he it. had we to earn it see, himself. We want to see it happen. Story. But another stat that we were talking about, um, you know, the pressures, how it was going to be. Um, Holmes was pressured on 29 uh, dropbacks. Brady was only pressured on uh, four. That's the, that's, the, that's the game, oh and that's goodness. what we mentioned, you know. That discrepancy doesn't, you know, that, that's, a, that's a huge discrepancy there, you know. And that's just how... That's just how the game played out. But, I mean, we talked about the pass rush getting them, you know, and they took out Tyreek Hill. I told you that, I think, earlier in the year, you know, in the I think I forget what, I think it was the Browns game, we have to take double-team Tyreek Hill, don't let him get anything over the top and get him in his grill, and then bump Kelsey, you know? And, like, I mean, the Browns defense. Well, hey, you know, yeah, I was saying that but, too. Oh, I know you were. I know you were. And then, yeah, but yeah. the Bucks have, you know, the, they, the front seven of the Bucks with, the, um, with their linebackers as well as, you know, their – a defensive line, you know, they were able to get pressures on him and then keep, you know, the linebackers on Kelsey enough to like bother him. Obviously, he had ten catches for like 133 yards, but a lot of it was garbage time. A lot of it's like, okay, you're gonna give up, you know, a five yard catch, let him run five yards and tackle him. You're just not gonna give Tyree Kill the shot over the top, make him settle for field goals, and boom, you know, we see what happens here. So, but with that, I'm really excited for next year. And I think the Buccaneers are gonna be better than they were this year. You know, I think a lot of the guys are gonna come back. We'll see what happens, who they lose. But, I mean, another year, they're going to have a – let's put it this way. They had a pandemic year where they weren't able right. to practice as much. Why not run New it system. Back. Run it back. Uh, as Bruce Arians said, go for two. And, um, and you know, uh, Mr. R- no risk and no biscuit. But, no, um, yeah, go back. You know, Gronk's back. Brady's back. You know, you have great O.J. Howard, like, tight end-wise. Then you have Evans, Brown, potentially Godwin stays, you know. Fournette might say he might go, but um, Ronald Jones is pretty good. You know, Scotty Miller is another one. I mean, they have they have so many weapons. I feel like you're gonna get some players who're like, okay, would you rather go to New England and play, or would you rather go to Tampa Bay and play as a free agent? You know, New England got a lot of free agents that would take less money to go play to try to get a ship chip. You got no state income tax in Florida. You have Tom Brady. They just want it. The weather's amazing. I mean, what? I don't. I'm I'm having trouble finding negatives of going to Tampa. Honestly, well, you know, I mean, you could you I, could point out a few negatives of New England, but Tampa, it's sort of harder to find negatives of. You know, okay. I mean, it looks like a, it looks like they're having fun with the boat parade and everything else they have. I think that it it'd be a fun place to go. You know, honestly, I wouldn't mind just living there. So, um, yeah, go ahead. And and that's my theory, Adam. Uh, I there there's no factual backing to this. I haven't looked into this at all. This is just, you know, I, I won't spend too much time on this, but I really think that that's the reason why Tom Brady went to Tampa. I think that Tom Brady and Kronk were having a good time in New England, thought that they were doing well, and Belichick just probably had a stick up his butt, and, you know, he probably thought that it was his way or the highway, and I think that they had enough of that, and they just wanted to go have fun. So they picked a beautiful destination spot in Tampa Bay where they can have, you know, these giant boat party parades whenever they win a Super Bowl. Yeah. What like, that, that fits. When you think about Rob Gronkowski, that is exact. Tampa Bay, Florida is exactly what I think about. And the fact that Brady and him are, are boys just makes me think that they were a little tired of, of being, you know, held up kind of pen up 
in New yeah. England. Well, there was a story at the beginning of, um, you know, in March last year, almost a year ago, March 22nd. Um, it says a confidant of Tom Brady says he didn't feel appreciated by the Patriots. And there was a few stories that came out last year. I don't know if you remember um, that were discussing this exact topic where he doesn't feel appreciated by uh, Belichick or, you know, I guess the Patriots organization as a whole. But I mean, Belichick's in charge of personnel and play call are, um, and you know, as oh, head right, coach right. as well. So I mean, you know, that's that's where you're feeling it. Robert Kraft obviously made him feel important, but you know, I feel like that's that kind of thing where he didn't feel appreciated. And then you saw what the weapons Cam Newton was working with. You know, Tampa Bay weapons, New England weapons. You know, everything was better other than probably coaching. But you have the freedom, and, you know, the ability to be free and you know have more control of the offense and not feel like you know you have you know Belichick's just overwatching you, which, I mean, Belichick's a great coach, and it's not saying anything, but I mean, I, th- I think after 20 years of that, you, you know, you're, you're okay with mixing it up a little bit and being a little more loose, but also in charge, you know, he's, Tom Brady's just not, you know, laid back, laid back this year, he was all in about winning, and he changed the culture of the franchise, so it's not like he's laid back, but he did it his way, he didn't do it with fear or anything along those lines, he did it his way, and Bruce Arians and him worked together. You know, it, it definitely changed after the uh, bye. I think they, I think they had a bye week thirteen, then they won seven yeah. straight to win the Super Bowl. I think that bye really helped. You know, okay, we're gonna get, we're gonna watch some film, we're gonna adjust, make adjustments now. Uh, we're a little bit older of a team, you know, so we're gonna rest a little bit. And I think that that was a big turning point in the season as well, because before that, you could be like, well, I don't, I, I didn't expect the Bucks to win. I think it was like the fifth seed when they went in, so it's like you're not thinking too much of the Bucks. You know, they got stomped by the uh, Saints twice, but after that bye, they. They really turned it around and um, got on a, on a winning streak. Man, so they did get stomped by the Saints twice. Earlier in the year, yeah. They did, and then and they, then, um, then they then beat the, the Saints in the playoffs. So they were 1-2 and two against the Saints this year? Yes. So the Saints, 2-1 against this year's Super Bowl team. Man, that'd be tough. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. that's just how it ended well, up, but... And two, so another thing, Adam, that I do want to acknowledge, though. So it was 31-9, looked a little out of control. But having the two tackles out for Kansas City was huge. So that's a major disadvantage. Uh, A lot of things lined up here. This is what we went through and why we ended up choosing Tampa Bay. So it's not necessarily like Brady Brady and uh, the Bucks are phenomenal, but... Let's also put this in perspective and remember that this was in Tampa Bay. This was, uh, that this was in Tampa Bay. (laughs) The two tackles were out for Kansas City. There's two starting tackles. Uh, That was huge. And then the two pass interference calls. Yeah. Those were huge game changers. And I agreed with one of them somewhat somewhat and then the other one i just completely disagreed with i can't really remember it i think there was one where it was like tripping mike evans yeah on the left where, side where it did look like ball. he did like with his his uh ankles or something yeah but um yeah but there was another one where it was just this is ridiculous yeah i think it was there was a shirt grab I, wasn't it matthew was a, on gronk you know, in the back of the end zone, I thought I thought it was uncatchable. I thought the ball was sailing. Yeah, and like that's, it, that yes, was that. So, yes. but and I mean, the, and then the uh, Evans one that was one on the left sideline, uncatchable, but it was still a little more. I think that was okay. I mean, he tricky. touched, he got his leg, and I mean, you don't know Evans. He felt he's easy. A, yeah, he felt easy. But yeah, but 
Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, with that, that's 120 penalty yards for um, on a lot of level penalties for the Chiefs. Yes. So, that, that's a significant um, impact there. And then one more. Um, well, this is just Versus interesting... four for 39 for yeah. the Bucks. Yeah. And I have another Experience. interesting stack stats to talk about. Yeah. Um, that calls, though. Yeah. But. but, so, there have been eight teams all time to make the Super Bowl, averaging at least 410 yards per game you know going into the season probably one of the best offenses at least one of the best offenses if you have 400 plus yards a game 410 yards a game all eight teams have lost the super bowl wait say that again there have been eight teams to uh to make the super bowl averaging at least 110 yards per game for the season and all eight teams have lost the super bowl all eight who are they it's the 2013 Broncos, 457 yards. Uh, 84 Dolphins, 433. 2011 Patriots, 428. 18 Rams, 421. 01 Rams, 418. 2020 Chiefs, 415. Uh, 2016 Falcons, 416 yards. And 2007 Patriots, 411 yards. Well, and like, know, that, and, doesn't, that doesn't surprise me. But it's interesting to me happens. because, you know, the 2007 Patriots is what we were comparing um, – the, the Chiefs do. We were saying that I, they were similar sure. to the Chiefs in the sense that, okay, you know, you have the pass rush coming in. You don't know how the offensive line works, but their offense yep. is on fire. Yeah, so, we did. You know, I mean, that, that's the comparison. And they both, you know, came in with over 410 yards and, you know. And we compared and we compared the uh, the Bucks. <laughs> we, we played off of that comparison and we were like, wait a second. We actually could see uh, the Giants kind of being like or Tampa Bay kind of being like the Giants yeah they have these big these big uh big play like wide receiver uh games and everything yeah so I mean it's just it's a little funny to see how that you know played out there and Jason Pierre-Paul was on the the line but I mean it's just it's just funny um to see that you know and you know make that prediction and then also see that stat where it's like okay well I mean both teams have over 410 yards per game and both ended up yeah. losing when they were well, they were expected to win. So, but what I was gonna say about that stat, Adam, is that's that's why you gotta look at the data because all those data points are in two thousands. Yeah. So that just shows where the game is trending now. So essentially, what you told me, outside of two thousand one and nineteen eighty four Dolphins, the, okay, the, the Dan Marino Dolphins. Dolphins. It's just that we have a higher uh yardage <laughs> offense if like league we, yeah know. i mean because that's, that's where the rules that are doesn't going. just mean that you're gonna win because everyone's the league is favored for the offensive yeah. plays so. you can't hit quarterbacks you can't hold receivers you can't hit receivers downfield it's just i mean that's just everything adds up to it just like everything added up to the uh, uh the buccaneers defense getting to patrick mahomes everything's adding up for offenses to be able to you know, stretch the ball downfield, throw the ball in favorable matchups in terms of like holding penalty gets you an automatic first down, pass interference, spot foul, and um, you can't hit the quarterback, you know, so they're going to stay healthier, which is going to give you more opportunities, you know, having better quality behind center rather than backups more often than not. Yeah, I went to a local barber here in OTR, so in yeah. Cincinnati and City, and we were, they were talking old school football and your dad and grandpa would be proud of me adam because i was talking to them about the old receiver rules mm-hmm. how i mean <laughs> pass interference is just the creation of the last what like 20 30 years yeah. so i think people forget about that too 
the game has changed a lot. Yep. Even though we, even though me and you haven't like yeah. experienced it firsthand, we know the history at least. Yeah. Yep. So. All right, man. Well, I think that wraps it up. That was a good year, man. That yeah, was a good year of football. I'm really... excited for this next year. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we, we should be coming out with content on that, right? Yeah, well, we have the off season coming up, um, so we're gonna have the NFL draft. You know, we're gonna give you as a preview there. We obviously discuss quarterbacks. That's one of our. That's at least my, my. I think that's my favorite thing to talk about is quarterback draft. You know, the draft for you know top four or five quarterbacks. What we see with them, where we think they're they're gonna end up, what the best fit is. I just absolutely love that. I'm really looking forward to that. And then we also have the off season free agency. It's looking like there's gonna be more like an NBA type of free agency. You know, with the quarterbacks mobility. I think Adam Scheffner was uh, asked recently. Um, you know, how many quarterbacks do you see switching teams this year? And he said if the over-under was 18, he would take the over. So that's just really interesting to me. 18 On 18 quarterbacks switching teams this year are like new starting quarterbacks. So starting? I, I, I think it's starting. I think he said starting. So that'll be really interesting to he see. He would there. take the over. And he said he would take the over. It's a new era, man. It is. You know, you got a few coming into the draft. You got, you know, potentially, you know, then you, teams draft and they move quarterbacks like, you know, a Darnold or whoever, Watson or Tua. I mean, there's going to be a lot of mobility here, you know, so that's all oh my that's gosh. Half the team. So. Adam, 2021 is a new era for the NFL because <laughs> this, in 2021, the Cleveland Browns will be one of the, the out of 32 teams, Cleveland Browns are one of the 18 that Adam's predicting will not change quarterbacks. Yep. And I'm sure that he is factoring in the Patriots for one of those teams who might change a quarterback. I think he is. And and if you would have said that in any other season for the past 20 seasons, yeah. you'd be full-blown crazy. Yep. So, so. It, it is a different era. Yep. So. Hey, J.J. Watt news too, man. We'll see what happens <laughs> we'll, there, yeah. We'll I'm... see. I... They said that they were a little closer in talks with uh, the Titans, but we'll save that for the next steps. Yep. All right. Thank you for listening, and uh, hope you enjoyed the Super Bowl. Hello, and welcome into another episode of Two Cents Sports Talk. I'm your host, Adam Katulak, joined by my co-host, Brian Crum. Hey, Adam. How's it going, man? It's going well. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yeah, we've had some great weather recently, so I've really uh, been enjoying it. I know. We've actually, I mean, we've had a lot of uh, some some variable weather. Okay. Yeah, I think it was 68 here today, so it was... Yeah, it was, I mean, the snow was melted here, but before we were snowed in, you know. Yeah, that was true. Across the country it was. getting a lot of uh, different ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Lately. It feels good. So... Uh, the podcast we have for you today is about uh, quarterback mobility, and we're going to focus uh, strictly on the AFC, uh, the AFC conference, and just where we think quarterbacks may end up, what teams should do with their current quarterback situation, whether they should trade, draft, or keep where they uh, currently are. So we're going to start in the AFC West, and I'm going to start with the uh, with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, um, the LA Chargers, Las Vegas Raiders, and Denver Broncos. So with Kansas City, you're going to have Patrick Mahomes. He's your guy. He's probably the best quarterback in the NFL right now, and um, he's the highest paid as well. So you're going to keep that there. There's not too much discussion there. The L.A. Chargers, they're pretty happy with their uh, pick in Justin Herbert. I, he had the rookie record of uh, 31 touchdowns this past year, had 4,300 yards, 10 interceptions. Really looked good as a young rookie. Um, 
and they have a really nice team around him. It's just I we'll see what happens going forward, but uh, I think they're really optimistic with uh, with Justin Herbert, especially being the third quarterback drafted last year's draft. Raiders, Derek Carr had a pretty good year. Um, they're starting to figure out, I think, a little bit offensively with the uh, Raiders. And then you have the Broncos, which is the big question mark and where I'm going to start passing, where I'm going to pass it off to you, Brian, and just hear your initial thoughts with Denver and what you would do with the Drew Lock situation from this past year and where you think they should go. Yeah, so let's see, Denver. Yeah, they're the only one that's that's really questionable, like you, like you pointed out in the AFC West, because... Uh, the other three are, are actually all locks now with their quarterbacks pretty much of the of the future, at least at the moment. The Broncos have been trying to figure it out since Peyton Manning. Um, and Peyton Manning wasn't even a long-term thing. He was kind of like a quick Band-Aid. Um, it, it's funny that you asked me, because I, you know, I, I always talk about the Browns, but I did like the Broncos first, and the time that I started liking the Broncos was when Jake the Snake Plummer was their quarterback. And I'm not trying to get on a soapbox, but he was like the last quarterback that I remember having like probably more than three seasons as a as a starting quarterback for the Broncos before Peyton Manning probably. Maybe so, Jake, I don't know, yeah. Yeah, so L, they they went through like Kyle Orton, they went through Brock Osweiler. Uh, yeah, they had a few Brock Osweiler. People. All I mean, just everybody, you know. And I think that it's interesting um, that John Elway can't find the quarterback. But at this point, I think that you know there's rumors speculating about the Watson trades potential and, and we're going to get into that later in the episode. So really, I, I think that at this point, John Elway would, for whatever reason, can't pick a quarterback in the draft. So I think they need to trade for an established quarterback. Um, and then we, like I said, we're going to talk, touch more on the Deshaun Watson story, trade potential or whatever later on in the podcast. But, that, that's what I would do if I were the Broncos, Adam. Yeah, and I agree with that. I think um, you know, I'd try to I'd try to go big here with a potential Watson trade or someone along those lines, which we'll discuss later. Or um, I might just stay with another year with Drew Locke and see if he can progress a little bit more. But I'm not sure um, what's going to work there, what what their plan is going forward. But it's going to be interesting. I think they have the ninth pick in this year's draft, so they ha- they you know they're sort of in the middle there. They're not going to be the top team drafting the quarterback but they could potentially trade up or they could just try to improve the team a little bit and see if lock give lock another year to see if um if he's there so with that i'm going to pass it off to you to talk about the uh, afc north okay let's see afc north so afc north yeah that's another pretty quick one me and adam were thinking let's let's knock out the quick ones here first so afc north um In 2020, they had Big Ben for the Steelers, Lamar Jackson for the Ravens, Baker Mayfield for the Browns, and Joe Burrow for the Bengals before the injury. And uh, for 2021, nothing's really changing other than potentially Big Ben for the Steelers. Um, I mean, Big Ben was 38 all last year, and... He would be 39 all of this year. So uh, 
despite the fact that we're hearing from the Steelers that, uh, you know, Big Ben's probably going to be their quarterback to start the season again, there is still the question of, is he going to be the starter all season long? Um, is he even going to be the starter on day one? Is Mason Rudolph still in the picture? Do they need to draft another quarterback or what? But um, long story short, the AFC North is pretty established too, uh, similar to the AFC West, despite having that one team that uh, that might have uh, some quarterback questions. Yep. And I agree. What do you think, Adam? I agree with that. I'm going to start with the uh, Steelers. Um, and I think in a prior podcast, um, I said the Steelers should move off Big Ben. Just the cap hit's going to be too much with like 41.8 million if Ben comes back. They're going to restructure that. It's going to. I don't know what it's going to look like on total, but I mean they're going to get comf- they're going to get a number they're comfortable with. I think it's 22.5 or so dead cap if he retires. So if you get something around you know maybe 25 to 30 million, um, that's not breaking the bank too much whenever your floor is 22.5 but I'm just curious to see what happens there I don't think Rudolph is the answer um going forward at least as of right now I'd rather see Ben one more year they were 12 and 4 with him he had 33 touch um well he had 33 touchdowns 10 interceptions so he had a decent year it just fell apart towards the end I don't know if that's play calling not having a run game I think they were last in the league in running rushing so I mean if you could draft a running back and get some offensive line help I feel like that'd be a good I don't um so that's where I'm at there we also signed Dwayne Haskins so that'd be interesting to see um him start but I, I really think that Ben probably gives us the best chance this year I just like to keep some of the role players around him, like Bud Dupree and um things like that just to keep the defense strong but that's what I feel with uh the Steelers next I uh next the the um the Bengals, I mean, they're going to keep Joe Burrow. Yeah, Adam, I, real but, quick, though. I, I agree with you there. Yeah. I, I, I just don't think that Mason Rudolph is is going to be the answer there. I think that he might be a, a bridge quarterback. You know, he could maybe get the job done with a really good defense for for a year or two or, or maybe even just, like, uh, the second half of next season. But I think that they're going to need a traffic quarterback or – or do something to invest in the future in somebody other than Big Ben and, and Mason Rudolph. Yeah, but. and and, the, and what I would like to see the Steelers do, which I don't think they will do, so I'm not going to touch on it too long, is trade for someone like Sam Darnold, who um, the Jets may potentially move off Darnold and draft someone with number two. I like pick. that so idea. That's, a lot, that's just actually. you know that that's what I would really consider. But um, we have Haskins Dude, now on the that team. That honestly makes a lot of sense. I think it does. Yeah, I really think it does because I think you Darnold, guys have Haskins though. We have Haskins. Yeah, we signed him in the off season. So um, I heard you say that, but you're cutting out. So yeah, I like that signing because you guys have Byron Leftwich as, as your OC, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't think we do. I think that we um. Or did he, no, no, no. He moved to Tampa. He's in Tampa Sorry. now. Yeah, he was our um, he was I think a quarterbacks coach at one point. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's why I was thinking that. But I was, I don't know. I I don't even know if they're similar playing style. But I just think of a, a bigger, I, I think uh, were, yeah. mobile quarterback like that from an Ohio school. It's like, man, yeah, yeah. kind of reminded me of uh, of Byron Leftwich when he suited up for the Steelers. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So I just I, I think there's a lot of potential with Haskins. He was a first round pick, mid first round pick, um, two years ago and you know, he was cut from the uh Redskin or Washington football team because he um wasn't performing, wasn't picking up in the playbook. So hopefully 
Um, he, he matures a little bit with the Steelers, but I mean, he's a young first-round talent that we got for the real cheap. So it's like low, um, low risk, high reward. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I think I mean, that that honestly, Adam, I I think that you might have to answer right there. Yeah, well, I mean, he has to, you know, the, the, he has to have some show maturity, I guess, you know. Right. Can't be going There's a lot to work lot through, but to go through. But I mean, I, he was a first-round pick just two years ago. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see what happens, but. Uh, somewhat optimistic on that, but I'm okay with giving Ben the shot this year and just seeing what happens, especially yeah. if we're paying him 22.5 if he retires. If we pay him 30, that's like seven, six million more. I mean, that's not, you're not breaking the bank. You know, your opportunity costs, you're paying $6 million to have Ben play because you, you're paying him that regardless because he pushed back, you know, um, his salary. So it just, just makes sense. So, um, and then next team we'll talk about a little bit is Cincinnati. Uh, Joe Burrow should be back. I think he's going to be back for the start of the, um, season which is going to be pretty exciting just to see you know after that goes some uh, knee injury if he, he's recovering ahead of schedule and uh that'll be exciting to see what he can do going forward because he you know everyone was really high on him um out, out of the draft and after his um record-setting college uh college season so um well and he had a phenomenal a little glimpse there <clears throat> yeah he's there you you could say of the first half of that season before the injury, yeah, where he was looking like a no brainer number one, and it's not always that way, but he was looking that way. So, um, that that's huge news to hear that he's going to be back, yeah. or that that he's on track now, or that his his uh, progression has accelerated. Because I was worried that the Bengals were going to be just you know going to be playing for number one draft pick again next year and and I would have been pretty bummed because they've got a good receiving core right now with that quarterback so if they have a good quarterback there they just need to get him a line that's their thing that's the thing on all these teams lists except for the, the Steelers right now is how can we make it easier for a quarterback or yep. whether that be defense getting them the ball or the line protecting them but these guys, fortunately, in the AFC North now, have the QB uh, situation figured out. Um, yeah, Adam, yeah, if you want to just build on that, I know that you wanted to kind of tailor in from that, you know, to talk about, hey, Joe Burrow's figured out, we got that figured out, he's going to be back. Yeah. And then after that, you don't have any question with Lamar, you don't have any question with Baker, those are the guys. Yeah. Then we're going into the AFC East. And there, we're starting right off the bat with the Buffalo Bills because they've got Josh Allen, who just proved himself in this in this last season. Um, he showed that maybe he's a little more than just you know an inconsistent glimpse of uh, future um, and highlight plays, but he actually showed pretty solid consistency. Well, good enough consistency to get them to. Uh, what what was it the AFC the AFC semifinals championship then? game yeah like, oh championship game. game yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so uh, that said we have Baker Joe Burrow Josh Allen Lamar Jackson um, Adam kind of wanted to talk about those quarterbacks all being young future like franchise face of the franchise quarterbacks and soon going to come up on these contract negotiations because they're all young and they're all on their rookie deal mm -hmm. and all of them except for Lamar 
were drafted like top top ten, um, if not top five. So yeah, they might be five million dollar contracts, but these guys are going to be making you know upwards of thirty million dollars whenever they renegotiate for that second contract. So Adam, I'm handing it off to you now. Yeah. What are you looking for whenever you're looking for the face of the franchise? Who's worth it out of this group to give that that max contract to? Or, or what contract would you be looking for as a fair deal for those guys? Yeah, so um, of the three guys we're talking about here, I, I you have to look at... at well, we kind of got four. Yeah, but Burrow just got, you know, he, just, he was just drafted. So he still has, you know, a few more okay, years. These guys okay. are going in their fourth well, year. Well, we Burrow's can, we can at second. least acknowledge talk that about the he would be in that group. Oh yeah, he's he's with uh, yeah. them in like talent wise and everything. Exactly. And, like, value. Yeah. But the Bengals so, are actually fortunate right now yeah. where they can play with a uh, rookie salary longer. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, um, what I look for, I guess, for a quarterback of an organization would be um, just maturity and consistency. So you're you're pretty much the CEO of. The, the team, the NFL team, right? So you 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 are the face of the franchise. You're dealing with the press day in and day out, and you're the leader of the team. So you're like a young twenty year old. Um, can we trust you with the money? Can we trust you with the money? You know, are you going to keep working? Are you going to be like a Dwayne Haskins potentially, or something like that, where you're going to flare out in two years after being a first round pick? It's 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 a lot of responsibility for someone that age, you know, that age, and not many people. Um, have that responsibility. Well, that, that, that okay, I'm not trying know, to so. switch this up, Adam, and yeah. sorry to talk so much, but that that just reminds me of LeBron James because that's what makes him mm-hmm. so remarkable is that he came out as a as an 18 year old out of fret, out of uh, high school, and yeah. he handled it to a T the way that you would hope uh, a star mm-hmm. athlete would because he's brought the NBA up to what it is now, and it wasn't always that way yeah and you have multiple stars like that like the tiger woods who was in the news recently yeah have players like so anyways but cutting yeah. you off but, but that's what you're looking for when you're looking for the quarterback that's at least for football yeah there's a specific position that you want that yeah that that person to be and that's quarterback yeah and i'm looking he's, for mat- he's your poster boy who yeah. you want okay. i'm looking for maturity and consistency that's those are the two most important things because you can handle that if you that have the thing, talent but you're not if you have the talent in you're consistent with it, but you're not mature, and you're off the field problems. That you're you're the CEO of my organization. You know you're leading everyone out there. So um, out of the four guys, um, I'm honestly, I I probably, I would um I would, I would give the uh an extension more than likely if I. What you don't want is a Jared Goff deal or a Carson Wentz deal where you're stuck with you know a huge contract and then they start. Not they're not performing like they were at in their younger um in their younger years and whenever you give them the contract you can't put as many players around them. I think Lamar Jackson is someone that I would really consider giving the contract um an extension to, just because if you do pay him early, you know the salary um the salaries for quarterbacks keep rising and if you think that they're going to be there for the long haul, 
you might get a bargain there. The only fear I have with Lamar is like an injury. You know, his, his throwing, I don't know how good his throwing is going to yeah. be throughout his career, but I know his rushing is there. And if he stays healthy and learns to, you know, keep sliding and like st protects himself. And he, I don't think he's been injured this um I don't think he's been injured. I think he's just had COVID. I don't think he's missed many games outside well, of that. That's um, that's the big that's thing the with big Lamar. Threat, though. That's that's what you're scared of. You're scared of like an RG three kind of moment where it's like you okay, are. He's out, and you know, it, and with the running it's around. hard. You're not saying that he's a bad <clears throat> passer. Um, I think a lot of people get defensive that you are um, tearing down his arm, but or not you specifically, but just you know, that his critics are tearing down his arm and that all he is is legs. And it's not that. He's a decent passer with great legs. But all the, like, decent passing quarterbacks with great legs, we've seen go down with uh, a lot of, or not all of them. I mean, Vic, Vic had a career, but that's because, you know, it was prolonged because he was out of the game for a while there for yeah. off the field stuff. Um, RG three, I mean, you know, he didn't slide. Uh, and then there's just a lot of other stuff. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I think of Vince young. Um, I mean, I don't think his was injury related necessarily, but it was more the maturity. Any, it was more of the maturity aspect. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, that's, that's, where I kind of feel with Lamar is that, um, you know, we're not knocking his arm. We're just saying that when you when you run, you are making yourself vulnerable as a ball carrier. You're no longer – you're technically no longer a quarterback. So in that, in that case, in that theory, if he's more a ball carrier more often, he is more injury prone. I mean, look at the, the age span of a running back in the NFL – Versus a quarterback or a wide receiver, you know? Yeah. Okay, go on. Yeah, so, I mean, I um, I would consider giving Lamar it, um, Lamar the contract, uh, if I had to give it to any of them. But honestly, with the but way... That's he, your, but, but that's your one hesitation. That's my one hesitation. Injury. There. The rest yeah. of them, um, you know, Joe Burrow, you still have multiple years of under contract. Would there, you so be I'm not, concerned about injury there, though? I mean... I, I don't... I, I would be concerned about injury if I didn't improve the offensive line around him. He was in the pocket when he got hurt. He was standing in the pocket, you know, trying to make a throw, trying to make a play. A guy came in his knee. I don't think it's Burrow as much running around. He was getting popped a lot, but I think that if I got protection around him, he'd be okay. That's what I think about Cincinnati. You know, you got to get have, protection around him. Um, any recent cases of quarterbacks coming back with a torn ACL like he did? Oh, man. I'm... Because that's the only thing where I'd be concerned. Like I think of Carson Palmer. I feel like the same thing happened to Carson. Yeah. Um, yeah because it was against the Steelers in that playoff game, I think. And then uh, Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz and Carson Wentz hasn't been the same coming back from it. Carson Palmer, he wasn't the same coming back from it right away. He he got to yeah. a point where he was good again. But, but that's why I do bring it up where, you know, I wouldn't just write it off as, hey, he's going to be fine because we were just talking about Lamar Jackson, how we'd be concerned if he, if he did have an injury running the ball, which it would most likely be a leg injury, like RG3 probably, you yeah. know. But, I mean, I feel like Burrow's not – I mean, he, he's, he's mobile. He can move around in the pocket, but he's not known as a runner as 
much as you know, like a Lamar Jackson right. or a Kyler Murray or someone like that. So um, he's more like a Carson Palmer. He's more like a Carson Palmer pocket guy. He can move around pretty well and avoid um, avoid the rush. But I feel like if you get him an offensive line, you're not going to be too concerned about his legs, as you know, if that makes sense. So I feel like does Wentz move around a lot? Then? Wentz moves around a lot. Yeah, Wentz is pretty. Okay. Uh, Wentz is pretty mobile. So that well. makes sense. Then. So yeah, okay. he 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 got hurt running, um, diving to the end zone is how Wentz got hurt. So but Burrow was in the pocket, and that that's a little different to me. I mean, you get hurt in the pocket, similar to Carson Palmer, he got sure. hurt in the pocket as well there. So that's that. Um, Josh Allen, I I don't know if I've um if I've seen enough, he had a really good year this year, but I mean, he started out with 52% completion percentage his rookie year. Then it went to 58 and then it went to uh 69. So, I mean, I'm, I, I want to see more consistency. You know, that's, that's what it's going to come back to. I think Josh Allen is a mature young individual, but I, I don't think that I, it's consistent enough to warrant an extension, especially when you have the fourth year, then you have the fifth year player option, and then you have a franchise tag if you need it. I mean, you have three more years of um control the the franchise has three more years of control with these players, you know Baker, Lamar, and uh, Josh. So I feel like you have not, you know, you you want to make it you're right, especially seeing the Wentz deal and the Goff deal. If that scares you off a little bit, um, it, it makes which we sense, will get you know? into, which we will get uh, into next week with the NFC. Yes, yeah, but, but I mean, it, it's but just, for this week, Ben Adam, <laughs> with the with it being on the AFC, uh, what would you do if you were the Browns? Because we haven't touched on the Browns and Baker yet. Yeah, I um. What are their options there? Yeah, do you franchise tag him. Do you, do well, you give him a long term You got two more. Deal? You got two more years with him, right? So I mean, he's gonna be a fourth. He had the fourth year, and then you have the fifth year option, and then you have the potential franchise. So let's see what happens. He had a pretty good year this year with Stefanski. Let's see some consistency in terms of coaching, right? So the coaching how, is it, does it mesh? Does it not? You know, because I think a, you know a lot of it. It. A quarterbacks are typically going to do well if you have a good run game and a good offensive line. You know, you can Which work on play looks, action. And it looks based like that's on what they last have. year, and looks like the coaching and the run game are there. But let's just see it. You know, I, hey, I have two more years free before I really have to sign him or make a franchise tag. You know, two more years under contract for sure. Let's see it work. You know, so let's I mean, not make a rash decision. Let's now. not make a rash decision here because I'm still not you know completely sold on Baker. I feel like a lot of quarterbacks could fit in a system where you have one of the best offensive lines if not the best offensive line in football, and the best rushing attack, you know? It's just the one-two punch. I, I just feel like that really assists you there. Now, let's see, and I wouldn't rush to sign Baker or any of, maybe any of these quarterbacks just because you can, um, once you sign them and the contract comes in, you've talked about it. Like, you know, it's, it's like $10 million a year or whatever it is, and it can go to 20 to $30 million. That's like a receiver. That's, you know, a DB. That's a linebacker that you can't have on your team, and that just hurts you know, you're not going to be, you're going to have as many players around them. They're going to have to do more than what you're expecting them to do uh, before the contract. So um, that's just my overall thought is like, you know, I don't want to be cap strapped because I have, you know, I'm paying a quarterback a bunch of money and I can't, and they're not good enough to carry the team. You know, there's not a whole lot of quarterbacks that can do that. You know, there's enough quarterbacks that can like manage the game and game managers typically get like a bad rap but it's not a bad thing you know baker was a game manager this year you guys won a playoff game and almost beat the chiefs after mahomes got hurt like it you can win games being a game manager you know but um once you take away certain players because you're paying the quarterback more they have to be more than that and that's something that takes time just to grow up and become so i i don't i mean i'm not sold i i wouldn't I wouldn't be thrilled to sign any of these guys as of right now. Um, Lamar Jackson would probably be the one if I had to choose one just because of their record and how when he plays, they do really well. And he's been healthy so far. But um, 
that I, I have so much, so many more years of control that I, I'd probably just utilize yeah. that, you know, at least one more year just to get another, okay, this, I, I feel really confident about this. So what are your right. thoughts on that? But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, yeah. since they are all, all in the same situation, except Joe Burrow one year behind them, since they were all drafted the same year, uh, you know, they're all, their contract situation and roughly the salary associated to that since they were all first-round picks, even though Lamar was later. Um, it puts all these teams in the same scenario. And uh, we definitely acknowledge that they're all uh, franchise quarterback, caliber quarterbacks that would be worth giving that deal. But essentially what I'm hearing, Adam, is they've got two more years to figure that out. So why rush that whenever they're kind of playing with house money right now? Yep, two more years before even you use the franchise tag. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm okay. saying Okay, so I know? think that wraps that up. Yeah. And then just going into the rest of that then in the AFC East, so we just talk, got done talking about Josh Allen and the Bills um, and how he tied into the AFC North where we finished up there. Um, and uh, we've got New England with Cam Newton. He was their quarterback. We've got the Jets who had uh, Sam Darnold. And we had the Dolphins who had – a combination of Ryan Fitzpatrick and uh, Tua. So with that said, it looks like, you know, Josh Allen was the only person who was a sure lock as the starting quarterback uh, for the next season. Yeah. And that wasn't the case with AFC North where Big Ben is the only question mark. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't the case with the AFC West where, uh, Drew Locke or just the Broncos quarterback situation was the only question. Mm-hmm. Now we're getting into the AFC East and the AFC South where uh, the quarterback situation, well, the AFC East is the only division, I guess, in the AFC where the quarterback situation is very toss-up because I'm just going to jump right to it, Adam, if that's okay. Yeah. Because we're trying to get to this conversation. And you'll, I think you guys realize that, or Adam, I think you realize I'm teeing it up. Yeah. Uh, we've got the AFC South, who is also, you know, they're pretty well defined. Where the Colts, yeah, they don't have Phil Rivers anymore, but we know they have Carson Wentz. The Titans, they have Ryan Tannehill, and yeah, he did phenomenal. So they're going to keep Ryan Tannehill. And then we've got the Jaguars, where they had Minshew. Uh, half season, they had Glenn half the season. Uh, there's a little bit of Minshew mania, but they ran out of that, and now they've got the first pick. And I think we know that, you know, we know what they're doing with that, and we probably know who their quarterback is for the next decade. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. But there's only one team, so there's three teams where it's pretty much they know what they're doing in the future, and there's that one team just like. There was in the AFC East with uh, with the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen, who they knew what they were doing. There's one team in the AFC South that we don't know what's going on, yep. and that's Deshaun Watson. Yep, that's the Texans. Are they going to trade him? Are they going to are they going to trade him and then draft another quarterback? Are they going to trade him and I mean, 
are they going to trade him for another quarterback? Like yeah, two? Uh, that, that's the big question. Are what they, are they going to do? So are they going to try to keep him? That's and, what I'm you know, what, what, what do you on, think so. here? Um, if I'm the okay, I'm going to start as if I'm the Texans GM here, I am going to do everything I can to keep Sean Watson. You know, you don't get a player of that caliber, that talent, at the age of 25. You know where he just led the league in passing yards and had his best year, um, best year ever, I I'm keeping him. You know, that's what I would really try to do. But that might not be realistic. You know, he might sit out a year. What And, and what benefit does that do for your franchise? So I'm just curious, you know, they, they might, they might, no, they are going to try to keep him. They're not taking calls right now. But if you do move him, this is the highest point. This is the most valuable he will be on the trade market he's young he's coming off one of his best his best year ever and he's looking really uh, really good so um and he was the sole bright spot looked like for the uh, texans this year so um if i'm right. Houston, his best year ever in a season that the texans went five and eleven i think they were four and twelve or worse four and tw yeah it was it was uh it was a really rough year for the texans all right so well either way um it was his best season, and he was in the top four of elite quarterbacks that we were talking about. The other three of those guys were like Tom Brady, Josh Allen, and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, all competing in um, in the you know their conference finals, and then you have Deshaun Watson playing for this losing team. So, like you said, Adam, I agree with the Texans, if you put your GM cap on, you're going to try whatever you can do to keep them. But I also agree with Deshaun Watson in requesting a trade because if I'm 25 and I'm having one of the best seasons of my career and I'm putting up numbers that these other three guys are, but my team is at the bottom of the league and they're at the top of the league, I want out. And so, you don't have your first or second round draft pick this year. Like, there's not like really a right. hope either. You know, which so you don't have faith in the organization either. <laughs> yeah. Whether or not they want to do the right thing, they've shown that hey, we've made bonehead mistakes. So yeah. So yeah. so what would you do now that Bill O'Brien's gone as the GM to to woo him or to to gain his confidence or trust to stay? Yeah. What, what's your focus if you're the Texans? I would sit down with him and just ha try to have, you know, I would really try to sit down with him. I don't know if I'm going to be able to, you know, but I would just say, hey, we really want you a part of this organization. Um, but I, I, honestly, I don't know what it, what they can do to woo him, honestly. I mean, they've made the coach decision without discussing it with him, which, I mean, I don't think that the team should have to talk to the quarterback about, you know, hiring a coach or, you know, GM or whatever it is. But if you tell a player you're going to do that and then you don't do it, that's where the trust just gets broken. And it's just – it, it really um, is why hard. Would you not, why would you not ask somebody who has such a key stake in your future or you, what you would think? Yeah, or just – I mean, they might, they might be trying to play it tough with trade talks, whatever, say, hey, we're trying to keep them. But if you really were trying to keep them, then why would you not – consider having him in the room in those discussions about where this future of this organization is going to go if you actually do want him to be your franchise quarterback it just doesn't make sense to me yeah, i mean you, you you if you've told him you want you know want him to have a say in what's going on and then he names some coaches and you don't interview them 
you know, but you interview six other coaches and you hire an outside firm and you hire someone that the outside firm doesn't even uh, suggest. It's it just, it, it, it gets questionable. So we'll see what happens with Houston. I mean, they lost, you know, James Harden this year, Russell Westbrook, and now it looks like Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt. So, I mean, it, it looks like it's Houston's oh luck right now. It's just, I, I don't know what I would do there. Dude, but that's um, so rough. Yeah, it's it's oh. been it's been a rough year for Houston sports fans. But I, I'm, I want to look more towards... um more towards what I could potentially get for Deshaun Watson and what I think is fair value for a player of that caliber and then certain situations I would trade for. So um, I'm going to let you start with that and then I'm going to go into um, my overall thoughts there, okay? Well, um, yeah, I mean, I don't really have anything, Adam, other than the fact that, you know, I know we started with the AFC West and that was one of the divisions where, I mean, that – yeah, that's all of the divisions, but um, the AFC East have those three quarterbacks figured out and then one quarterback situation that's not. Yeah. Um, so we had the Broncos, and I, I had mentioned, hey, we're going to talk about Deshaun Watson later on. Uh, they'll fit into that conversation. Well, for the Deshaun Watkins trade conversation, I really just have – Ran down three teams right now. I have the Broncos, the Miami Dolphins, and Carolina Panthers. Mm. I don't know anything about the Panthers, what they're willing to offer. I just know that before we we hopped on and hit record, me and Adam were just talking about it, and Adam said, yeah, the Carolinas uh, might be in the talk. But the Panthers, that's NFC, so we we can save that that for, for next week about what they should do there. So I'll leave it to Miami and the Broncos. I mean, Miami just makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. It just, it makes sense. And I didn't, I didn't know about the Broncos either until you had mentioned that, which it makes sense because of what we were saying where, Hey, let's just get an established quarterback where we know what we're getting and we don't have to strike gold. But Miami has the pieces where, Hey, uh, the Texans are trying to figure out what they want to do as an organization. Mm-hmm. So let's get this this uh, first-round draft pick for cheap value from Miami because Miami kind of screwed up that whole situation, that whole trial first year with Tua real yeah. fast. Yeah, Because Tua didn't have a bad year per se, but it's just they, they didn't allow him to grow. Or he just wasn't ready to be put. It just made more sense to keep Fitzpatrick in and to have Tua sit. But anyways, regardless of that, they hurt Tua's value. So, again, the Texans, who have a very valuable player on a very uh, non-valuable team, it would make sense to get this low, a now low-valued player Mm -hmm who is similar to the Haskins things with the Steelers is, um, is a first round pick and he has a lot more potential than Haskins, I think. So I would, I would not be upset if I were trading, uh, Watkins, giving him his wish, um, cleaning house because you've got JJ Watt gone too. You're just going to create David Johnson. He'll probably be out here soon. Bill Bryan's gone. You've got Hopkins is gone. Uh, 
just clean house and start off fresh. And why not do that with a young Tua that you can get for cheap, and then you can also get your draft picks back. And you know you can you can get your draft picks back and ask for a draft pick next year. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. So I have um. Uh, so I'm gonna start with Miami, and then I'm gonna touch on um a few other teams. But the Dolphins, I have Peter King, who works for um Pro Football Focus, I believe, and he has a mock trade saying that the uh, Dolphins potentially trade Christian Wilkins, uh, to a the third overall pick this year, a first overall pick in 2023, and two second rounders this year and next year's for Deshaun Watson. I 100%, think one hundred percent, and no I think brainer for both teams. I think it's. I mean that that can really reset you if you're Houston because your salary cap's not there. You don't have a whole lot of players around you. If you can get a Christian Wilkins, a third overall pick, which you can trade back or take a player that can really have an impact on your team. Tua, if you're in in, a, I feel like it's about Tua here. Are you in on Tua or not? You know he came off hip surgery coming into the year. He didn't have an off season. There was a pandemic. Is that the real Tua or not? You know that's what the, that's what the question you have to ask yourself. How was the evaluation last year? Where did you evaluate Tua? And, you know, what's going to happen from this year, from last year to this year, you know, with the injury, now having a full offseason, being healthy, moving forward. Because Tua's not a locker room problem. You know, he has the maturity, I feel. Like, that's that's what, you know, that's one, that's one piece. Now he just needs to show the consistency that he didn't show this past year. But there could be other reasons for that. So, that's... um. Yes, and I, and I again, I agree 100% with that. And why not get that guy where, hey, we don't know what the real version of this guy is, but mm-hmm. we know that in college he was a stud before the injury um, in that he wasn't terrible in his first year. Yeah. Maybe mismanagement. But let's get him, and let's get a boatload of draft, capital, draft capital just in case we strike out with him. Yeah, so you, you have it makes sense. It just makes sense, man. Yeah. So that, that, that makes the most sense to me. Um, I feel like for Deshaun Watson trade, you're going to need multiple first-round picks, um, you know, or first-round pick caliber players, right? So like Christian Wilkins would be like another first-round pick, you know, a defensive end um, from Clemson who he drafted first, uh, I think 19th overall. Oh, he was a first-round draft pick? Yeah, 19th okay. overall. So I wouldn't I mean, say I wouldn't say no. Uh, wow. Actually, yeah, no, they're still getting Watkins. I so, I think that they're a quarterback away from really pushing it, you know, from really. I think that would be giving up a lot for being... the Dolphins, but I I think that if if Watkins was worth anything, or if the Texans could get the best case scenario offer, that sounds like it. I mean, I and I think that they have the most firepower to do it, right? So they have the Texans first round pick this year, second round pick this year, and they have picks going forward. But I I do think that's and obviously that they've the already sense. been at the table, and and the Dolphins are right there. They're they're not far away from making the playoffs, competing with Josh Allen year in and year out, um, and seeing what happens here. Watson's, that's why I wanted to see them leave uh, Fitzmagic in for one more year. Yeah, I thought that he could have made a cool little playoff run. I think I there was a chance there, yeah, but um. I think that for Houston, you really need to rebuild here if you move off Watson. Obviously, you don't have the pieces around him, and you don't have the ability to put pieces around him. You know, and he played one of his best years. I don't know how much better he can play, um, and what the result's going to be. It's not like he are going to become. I mean, let's say you go eight and eight. I mean, 
I don't know what numbers his his, his numbers are going to look like compared to this year. It's going to be similar, if not, it has to be almost better, you know, which is just insane to think about. Leading the league in passing and having um, a 70% completion percentage. Just like, I mean, he's not making many mistakes. So, um, that. And Adam, so I think we, we kind of hit this all pretty well, I think. Yeah. I think that we can wrap this all up. But, it, I mean, if you have anything else you can add at then, but I wanted to bring this up. It it all makes a lot of sense. I think we're both saying, hey, this makes sense for Miami. This makes sense for the Texans. So, yeah, we're doing a little bit of hypotheticals. But if Deshaun Watson goes to Miami, you know who his next-door neighbor is? I mean, who 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 their next-door neighbor is? Are you talking about Tom Brady? No, you I just realized that that was an option. Because, I mean, you have... No, you have who's, the, who's, the other, who's the other one? What is it? Trevor Lawrence, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, Josh Allen. I don't... No, no, no. In, in Florida. Oh. Miami? Yeah. Not not the Bucks. Well, it would be the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence. Right? Jaguars, yeah. Yeah. Who's their head coach now? Urban Meyer. And yeah. who who is uh who's who's the quarterback Trevor Lawrence the Clemson. The, the Clemson guy yeah and then he's got the OSU head coach who could never beat Deshaun. that quarterback or Deshaun yeah that's funny it would just be interesting because he be. could be he could be Urban I mean. They're not the same. It's not the same division rivalry, but it's an in-state rivalry that would be fun. It would be. It would be fun. Yeah, but it'd also be nice to see Watson play Bill Belichick twice a year, too. That's something else that I'm also would be interested that would in. Because, be fun. I mean, if pieces are going to come back, you know, they had, I think the Patriots did the most stopouts this past year. Pieces are going to come back on that defense. It's going to be almost a chess match. You know, it's usually a good Well, it would be a lot more fun if Brady was still there. Oh, it would be. It would be. But we'll see what happens. It still will be fun, though. You're right. Yeah. So, um, with that, I mean, that's going to wrap it up tonight. I hope you guys um, enjoyed it. And uh, we got a long offseason ahead of us with um, where Sean Watson's going to go. I think that's going to be a big quarterback domino. I don't know if it's going to be the next one, but um, I feel like it's going to be a big one that's really going to shake up the league for a year right. to come. It's going to be a big trade and we haven't seen before, or we haven't seen in uh, in a while um, for a player. So it's going to be pretty exciting, and hopefully they trade him, because I, I like interesting, and I know Brian does too, so I mean, interesting really gets us going, and we can talk about and break down the trade itself if it happens, but um, it'd just be a fun few weeks. Uh, and I guess that's why we did the AFC first, Adam, yeah. now that I think about it, because the NFC, which we're going to do next week, that's a bun. That that's going to be a fun episode too. But because there's a lot of movement in the NFC with quarterbacks too, but those have already happened. So me and Adam just kind of want to do our speculative, uh, yeah. you know, kind of podcast before before the the transaction happens. We want to see, hey, what what makes sense? What are the options out there? So that's what made this one kind of fun. Yep. But so this one was kind of our exploratory NFC version. Next week is kind of going to be the NFC uh, recap, or just kind of where the dust settle after all that, all the transactions. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. So thank you for listening and uh, tune in next week for the NFC, like Brian mentioned. Thank you. Looking forward to it. See ya. Yep. See ya.